0: Turn over to Acts chapter 14. Again, in this section. Uh, then some Jews came from Antioch and I told him and won the crowd over. That's the crowd that had seen Paul and Barnabas like they were gods because of the miracle they did. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the good news in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church, and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. After going through Pisidia, they came uh, into Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them. He had given the door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there for a long time with the disciples. Look how Paul and Barnabas, kind of circled back around and went to some of the places where they had already preached the gospel. Um, it said that uh, they went to Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, where they had already been. Well, why did they go through those towns, preach the gospel, win people to Christ, and then come back through again? Why did they circle back around? I mean, aren't there lots of other places they could have gone? Why did those folks deserve a second visit? Yeah, exactly. You're right. They're checking their work, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look at there at verse uh, 21. It says, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. And here's the reason. The strength of the disciples encouraged them to remain true Remember, we were talking a lot about that on Sunday, to remain true to the faith. And here's why. Because we go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Um, It's like uh, Doug said, they're checking their work. They wanting to strengthen these people, encourage them, um, give them the tools that they needed to stay strong in their faith. And they even appointed elders to help oversee those churches, Uh, Another thing that Paul often, we're going to see Paul's encouragement to him, is uh, Paul would often leave people like Timothy and Titus there at those churches uh, that were newly established, disciple them so that they would stay strong in the faith, continue to persevere despite the hardships, and would continue to grow. Uh, in their relationship, guys. The reality of it is, um, and, and gosh, kind of getting ready for this on Sunday morning, I found that gosh,
1: uh,
0: um, pretty much a large part of Paul's letter to first uh, or to Timothy, first and second Timothy, was all about helping him to know the importance of him staying strong in the faith, and then how he could help others stay strong in the faith. Anybody is vulnerable to falling away, Um, particularly people that are young in the faith. But anybody is vulnerable, you know. And and so in order to guard ourselves, we need to be people who are continually putting in place in our lives those things that will keep us strong and growing in our faith. Um, Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 for a minute. Paul understood the importance of discipleship, understood the importance of encouraging people and helping them to grow in their faith, and he shared that with the people in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, but he even shared it with Timothy, who then could share it with other people. handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme anyone is students who enter college as professing Christians get out from under the protection of parents and and the local church. Um, 80% reared in the church will be disengaged with the church by the age of 29. So 89% of people or 80% of people that are involved in the church when they're younger, by the time they hit 29, no more. Look at that, eighty percent! Wow, that's scary. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard. Here, in fact, maybe back in the summer, um, just as another illustration, there's two prominent um, Christian leaders um, came out denying their faith over the summer. Uh, one was a guy named Josh Harris, who was a Christian author, and uh, he wrote a book called. Um, Kissing, dating, goodbye, and, and it was a it was a book for young people and parents, um, and, and I, I didn't read it, but he kind of advocated um, the alternative to dating to to young people courting, you know, and that would help them avoid some of the temptations that come along with you know typical dating and that kind of stuff. Um, another one was a guy by the name of uh, Marty Sampson. Who was a uh, Christian worship leader and songwriter for Hillsong, you know the great big mega church over in Australia, and you know he's heard of Hillsong music and all that kind of stuff. And, and listen what these guys said, Harris. Author, he said, by all measurements that I have for defining a Christian, I'm not a Christian. And he also took uh, part in a gay pride parade. All right, and then uh, Marty Sampson, who was the worship leader, said, I am genuinely losing my faith, and it doesn't bother me. Now, later on, he supposedly sort of started dialing back those kind of statements, and he said that he hasn't renounced his faith. But there's two guys that, I mean, they were in leadership positions. They were influencing other people for the Christian faith, and then... They, they renounced it. You know, so um, anybody's vulnerable. Listen to what the uh, Pastor Dan Beckins said. Um, he said uh, part of the problem with guys like this, he was commenting on Harrison and uh, Samson, he said uh, part of the problem is the lack of real biblical discipleship. The lack of real biblical discipleship. In other words, People making a profession of faith, maybe even going to church on a regular basis, but not putting themselves in a place and putting things in place in their lives to continually be growing and protecting themselves from the deceptions of the world. They become vulnerable. Um, And so we need to take this as... A warning, every one of us, that if we are not continually growing in our faith, putting ourselves uh, in those kinds of situations where we can have truth spoken into our lives and we can be growing in our relationship with the Lord, we're vulnerable to that kind of stuff. Listen to this. Um, In his book, Today's Evangelism, by Ernest C. Ressinger, he said that at one outreach event... He said it lasted eight days, and there were 68 supposed conversions. A month later, not one of the converts could be found. 68 conversions, or at least professions of faith, but a month later, none of them got involved in a church. So we can only imagine maybe what happened to their faith. There was another one eight was reported of eighteen thousand decisions. Yet, according to church growth, four percent failed to become incorporated into a local church. So eighteen thousand people made a profession at a crusade, but then they never put themselves in a place to be discipled. what do you, What do you think happened to their faith? You know, and we and we could sit and debate all day long, well, was it really a true confession of faith, or, you know, or, or did they just fall away from it, or, you know, they just really never grew and matured in their faith, but they're still Christians? It doesn't really matter how you want to define the falling away. You don't want to be falling away as a Christian by any of those definitions, you know? How about this one? A leading U.S. denomination reported that during 1995, They secured over 384,000 decisions. That was within the denomination. (laughs) That's a lot, Uh, but they retained They just plummeted. They denied it and got involved in worldly things. So, you know, anybody can be vulnerable to putting the right things in place um, in our lives. So how do we protect ourselves? And I'll tell you this before we even look at these passages. Probably one of the things that make us the most vulnerable, and uh, I refer to this kind of in passing, um I think it was last week or week before. Uh, I think it was the week before about us uh, running the race as, as uh, uh, the tortoise, not the hare. Is the one thing that will probably make you the most vulnerable is for you to get overconfident and think nothing like that should ever happen to me. I, I'm fine. You know, I, I, I've been a Christian for years, and you're not continually growing and solidifying and make sure you're going to put yourself in a vulnerable position. So let's look and see what the advice of Timothy and some of the things that he told Timothy to be helping others with. Now here's a perfect example. Timothy, Paul was his uh, spiritual father in the faith. Paul would leave Timothy behind at churches. so he says, turn away from that stuff. He said, which some have professed and in so doing have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. So he gave Timothy a warning. He said, look, here's this stuff that is trying to make its way into the churches that I have entrusted sure that it's maintained and that it's growing let me ask you guys the question what do you do to maintain the faith that you have and to continue to grow in it what did what you put in place in your life prayer, prayer? absolutely yeah yes. studying, the word of God. studying the Word of God yeah like we were talking uh, last week right Yeah, we've got to be people who examine the Word of God. Not just read it, but examine it. What else? Meet together. Meeting together. Yeah, church, Bible study, Sunday school. I was thinking you were giving us statistics. I don't think our church would be near close to statistics because we're getting the fundamental word. Every meeting we have. A lot of churches didn't get to the front level. Yeah. We're just saying, dear friends and dear friends. Yeah. Painting paint a pretty picture. <clears throat> and I think our church, and probably good with many others, the, the other churches bringing that statistic up where you're saying it is. Yeah. Yeah, and there's actually been a lot of articles written here recently by church leaders that are saying that same thing. And part of what we're seeing happening in the church now with uh, um, church attendance falling, people like this abandoning the faith and stuff, a lot of it has come out of uh, some of the moves that were really strong back in like the 90s, like the seeker movement. Were taking crosses out of their sanctuaries because they were afraid they were going to be offensive to people who were seeking after truth but still hadn't become a Christian yet. And, you know, kind of these watered-down gospels and all this kind of stuff. And now some of those very who were, were, were doing those things have come out and said, we messed up. And I think we're starting to see the fruit of that now with these people that uh, made professions but were never grounded in the truth of Scripture. And now, when the storm comes, they fall away. Yeah. What are some other things, maybe, that you've put in place in your life that helps you to grow and stay strong? Sean actually put in the work of discipleship with Gary. He went through that. Going through a mentoring process? Yes, huh? Yeah. And how would you say that that helped you? Have you seen yourself growing through that? Big time. Yeah. Because I was part of that statistic when I was younger in that age range. I went to church, and I... And then part of that mentoring process, is what, Sean? Then for you to do what? Then mentor someone
1: else. Yeah, then you invest
0: in another person, to strengthen them. Which is what I'm getting to here soon. Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I mentioned earlier, you know, with your brother taking a professional faith, please, please, please encourage him to get involved church, but not just go Sunday morning to get plugged into the life of the church, maybe get into a Bible study, encourage him to start reading the scriptures on his own, um, because you don't want him to be kind of one of those people where, you know, he's all on fire to start with, and then when the newness wears off, it just fizzles and fades. Um, So, um, guys, you've got to guard yourself, and I think part of guarding yourself um, is also be careful what you expose That are sowing this bad seed in the church, he said, turn away from it. You know, insulate yourself, guard yourself uh, from that kind of stuff. Um, you know, if it doesn't line up with the word, get away from it. You know, get away from it. Um, how good it sounds, how to, uh, you know, your. Your, your sense of um, pleasure. I don't care how popular the idea is, if it doesn't line up with the word, you need to turn away from it. If everybody else is jumping off a bridge, did you jump off? <laughs> because everybody else is into it, is that true? And if that's what we see going on, the things that our culture has bought into, people look at it and say, oh, everybody else is doing that, or everybody else is believing it, so I guess it must be true. Since when does popularity make something true? Never. Yeah, yeah, pretty much it's usually the other way around, isn't it? If it's popular, you might want to second-guess it a little bit, you know? Um, and so how to... See if it lines up with the truth of Scripture and if it doesn't, I don't care how popular it is, how many of your friends or families are doing it, I don't care how much it tickles your fancy. Get away from it. So, how are you going to know, though, how do you know if it lines up with Scripture or not? You've got to know the Word. Because I guarantee you, The Gnostics, I I know they were, because we we see hints of what they believed in the scriptures, is they were mixing scriptural truth with their own views. So, no wonder so many of these people were being carried away, because a, a little bit of it sounded, oh, I think I'd heard that before, but they didn't know the scriptures themselves, so they were easily led astray. You know, sometimes there's a real fine line between truth and lie. And and we even have modern-day examples of that with groups like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and stuff, where they'll take, you know, some of the fundamentals of Christianity and mix it in with all this other garbage. And if you don't know the scriptures, it can sound, oh, that sounds good, because they'll even take their Bible and show it to you you have to, to know the word and then if it doesn't line up, man, get away from it. Number thir- three, um, turn over to 2 Timothy 4. Remember how I, Paul kind of, kind of um, this is sort of a theme for Paul to Timothy in the church there. I think he was Ephesus at this time. Um, look what he tells him in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. He says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead of his appearance his kingdom, I give you this chart. So you're saying, Timothy, look, man, here's what you want. Because of what he just said, because we're all going to stand before God's judgment. He says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Here's why he said to do this. He said, for the time we'll not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, remember I said I don't care how appealing a teaching is, but it doesn't line up with the word, but people like it. If it feels good, if it's easy, if it makes me feel, you know, better about myself, I won't buy into it. He says, but a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine instead to suit their own desires. They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. What they want to hear, not the truth, but what they want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myth. But he says to Timothy, but you, remember I told you he's warning Timothy too? He said, but you keep your head in all situations. Endure that hardship that we said you would go through to enter the kingdom of God. Remember how they told the people there in in Derby um, that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom? He said, you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, what you were called to do, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. So number three, then, is we need to expose ourselves to biblical preaching and teaching. The reason he told Timothy, you need to preach the word, is because he knew of these false teachers that were infiltrating the church. And he said, Timothy, look, man, you need to get the truth out there. Because those other guys are spreading lies. You need to get out there and tell the truth. Um, So we need to expose ourselves uh, to the truth um, if we're going to be protected. But here's the thing, though, all right? And this is where sometimes it can get difficult is we need to put ourselves in position to be exposed to biblical preaching and teaching. But then when we hear it, we need to be teachable and we need to humble ourselves to what it says. Because it's not always what we want to hear. And look what uh, Paul told him. He said to correct, rebuke, and encourage. I don't know about you, but being corrected and rebuked isn't always fun. Being encouraged is great, but being rebuked and corrected isn't always fun. But that's part of the word. That's how we grow. That's how we get stronger. That's how we protect ourselves. You know, so I'd encourage you as you expose yourself to the truth, be humble enough to accept it when it reveals that you're falling short somewhere, that there's somewhere that you need to make a correction um, in your own belief system, in the own in your own attitudes of your heart, in the way that you relate to people and what you hold dear, uh, how you practice your life. You've got to come at this thing with a teachable spirit and not block it out because, oh, it doesn't suit my desires or my itching ears. I don't want to hear that. I want to go to church and come out feeling good. If it's truth, it's truth, whether it's encouraging or whether it's correcting or whether it's rebuking. So we need to be willing to say, you know what, yep, i start doing better in that area. You know, or yeah, I used to believe that, but man, it's not in the Word. I need to change that. Let me ask you guys a, a, a probative question. When you hear or read something that's, and correcting or rebuking, what do you do with it? If the guy in the pulpit steps on your toes, what do you do with it? If your book and the author steps on your toes, what do you do with it? Okay, checking out scripture, then what if it's true? We all sometimes have a tendency to just kind of read over that, but read through that one real quick and go on to the next one. You know, I don't want to hear that. You know. Or we have some way of justifying in our minds. Well, yeah, he's right, but this is the reason I do that. or the reason I don't do that. You know. Or, well, God's not really going to care. He'll overlook that. You know. This is what makes us strong, protects us, grows us to become one of those statistics. If all you ever got, and, and this is one of the things that we see happening now, and that sort of started back in the 90s with the speaker movement all that stuff, is all of the preaching was always nothing but encourage, 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 encourage. <coughs> never the correcting or the rebuking now at the same time I I don't advocate churches that guys up there pounding the pulpit telling everybody they're going to go burn in hell either but notice that the word does all of it it corrects, it rebukes and it encourages, you need it all but you can't just take one and not the other I know the encouraging makes you feel all good about yourself but is it going to make you strong from falling away if that's all you get out of the encouraging, you know, so we got to take the word as a whole. Number four, um, Paul told Timothy uh, to do this. He said to keep your head in all situations, didn't he? Keep your head, not carried away by the philosophies and the teachings that appeal to you, appeal to your flesh, or don't jump on the bandwagon, you know, with what the the latest. New York bestseller says will give you a better life, you know, or, or what your friends are saying or the people at work or your peer group, what they're all buying into now, don't just jump on that bandwagon. Timothy could have done that. There were people starting to buy into the Gnostic philosophy. And when he saw that, he could okay, I'm going to jump right in there with you. And it would have been easier for him, wouldn't it? Because I guarantee you when Timothy started speaking the truth and rebuking those teachers, he probably had some of them get mad at him, some of them say, I'm leaving the church, I'm not gonna listen to you anymore. Go right on ahead if you don't want to hear the truth. You know. So we need to be willing to, to kind of just uh, use some discernment. You know, step back and, and look at this whole thing and say I know it's popular right now, but it's not lining up with the word. I know my buddies are all going this way, but it doesn't line up with the word. I know that's all I'm ever hearing through the media, but it doesn't line up with the word. Probably, um, maybe what happened with Josh Harrison and and, uh, the other guy, Samson. I mean, when you see like the one guy jumping on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and going to a gay pride rally and that kind of stuff, I think what they did is they didn't keep their head. They allowed all the, 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 the teachings and the philosophies that have become so popular in the world today mm-hmm. to displace within their heart and mind the truth that they had learned. They looked around and they saw, how can everybody else be wrong? Look at everybody. They're all following this. It must be right. They bought into it themselves. Usually, guys, we, usually, and, and Jesse kind of alluded to it, usually the followers of the truth are going to be the minority. I mean, that's why Jesus said, uh, the way is narrow and few shall enter. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. You know, so if you're following the crowd, probably on the wide road. <laughs> you might want to check your check your GPS there, you know. <laughs> Alright, number five. Um, endure hardship. He said, keep your head there in verse five. In all situations and endure hardship. All right? What did Paul and Silas or Paul and Barnabas tell them? in Derby? You've got to go through the of the kingdom of God. Think of how many times the Apostle Paul, he told Timothy to do, was doing the work of an evangelist, was discharging all the duties of the ministry, and he had to move on to another where He was stoned like he was, I think, it was uh, arrested, was able to come to the end of his life, and take a look at chapter four, verses 6 and following, alright, and see, see, Paul did this because he did it himself, and now Paul was at the end of his life, and Timothy was going to have to take up where Paul was leading off with his death, and so look what Paul said. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. He wasn't talking about leaving to another town. He's talking about leaving this life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith, as opposed to those others who have shipwrecked it and abandoned it. He said, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for His appearance? Remember, we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago the crown. Here, Paul talking about the crown of business. Hardships being uh, is part of being a Christian, and you just got to be ready for it. And the best way to be ready for it is to be a person who's continually being discipled. Through your own actions and by subjecting yourself to the biblical teachings of others. All right, and I, and I want to add to that a little bit, and, and Paul alludes to it here when he tells Timothy to discharge all the duties of his ministry. Guys, um, part of discipleship, part of what, part of being strong in your faith, part of uh, of what's going to um, guard you uh, from falling away, is this. To not only know the word, but then to be using it to influence others. Serving God is one of the greatest tools for deepening your faith there is. You can't... What's the old saying? um, Those who can't teach... You know, you can't just be a student... You got to get out there and be doing what you what you learn. You got to be be using what what you've learned by um, sitting under biblical teaching and preaching and through your study of the Word. You got to take that now and use it in serving others. And then man, all that stuff that you got comes alive and it just grows up inside you, and makes you that much stronger. you soaking in knowledge and you never turn it into action, you're going to be as vulnerable as anybody. Doing strengthens. Just like gaining the knowledge strengthens. Okay? Um, so that's David Pat. Come on. God